Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Fifty-minute mark is brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Peters celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Fifteen minutes away from a conversation with Paul Skeens, the Pirates phenom pitcher. Uh, also, o- Omar Khan, after being delayed at the Combine because of a death in the family, unfortunately, he's going to talk to uh, reporters at around 3.30 and we'll get whatever he says and react to it. Um, Mike Garofolo from NFL Network, he seems to be the one guy because he did this at the day of the Super Bowl too who keeps reporting that Rudolph is going to have options. And I guess he said to Rudolph's agent, by the way, I guess he said that. And I guess he said that there in Indianapolis again this week. I'm guessing he does have, I would think he does have a connection to the agent. I mean, that's how the sausage tends to get made here. So without any of these guys, it's not like I'm not dissing Garofolo. I'm just saying, I would think he has to have some sort of connection to Mason's agent. So what do you what do you take from that? There's one when one guy's out on an island like that, and Garofolo's pretty reputable, but he's not one of the biggest names in that field. I don't know if he's on an island. I just don't think that there's a lot of insiders that are doing a lot of Mason digging Homer. on Mason Rudolph. So it's really it's because one of our little tempests in a teapot that they don't care about. Because there's like a half dozen or more quarterbacks that are more interesting or bigger names than him who are out there. Kirk Cousins, what's gonna happen with Baker Mayfield in Tampa? Um, Justin Fields and his trade prospects, Russell Wilson when he gets released. There's there's bigger fish to go out there and try to catch. Mason just a little guppy swimming along. Nobody thinking, paying him much mind. I still, I've, I'll say that again, broken record here, but that's okay. I continue to be flummoxed as to how, other than like Art Rooney wants one thing and maybe everybody else in there quietly wants another thing and can't move Art off his position, how they... Don't want to explore other options like fields, like higher profile guys outside the organization and how they also and they don't want to explore those guys because they want the road pretty smooth for Kenny to try to get seize the job and make it truly his job and how they also then want Mason back. The one guy who in in a different way than any of those other players would have Kenny looking over his shoulder in an even like a more profound sense. You bring Fields in, everybody knows that guy's pedigree in the draft, physical capabilities, he's going to be the man. You even bring in Russell Wilson. He is a Super Bowl champion. He's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame if I had to, like, answer that right now. Mm -hmm. Everybody understands Russell Wilson coming off that season, he's going to start. Except for Jerry Dulac, who says Russell wouldn't want to come here and be a backup. And Kenny would understand, I think, yeah, these guys have resumes or they have skills. Mason, it's... My teammates liked them because they scored some points. And before I had a chance to really show for sure what I could or couldn't do in a new offense without the old coordinator, I got hurt again. I played five. I played six quarters. 
I would say the majority of which, to be fair to Kenny, was good. The Arizona game, I didn't like what I saw really for the, the last several series, but I think Kenny would feel very odd about having Mason Rudolph around. And I don't think any amount of like team insider saying it's not, it wouldn't be as big of a deal as people think. Deontay can say what he wants. He'll fall in line. The rest of them will. Tomlin will handle it. I don't buy that, Pony. Do you? No, because it would, it would put immense pressure on Pickett to get off to a great start. If he struggled early in the season, even the first game, I think there would be an outcry for Mason Rudolph to, to play. I would be tempted to do that just because of what we watched at the end of last year. The only way there wouldn't be that outcry is if, like, somehow people knew from the preseason that Mason looked terrible, but I, I honestly don't think he would. But even then, like, I don't even give a damn about preseason performance anymore. We got Hood No, you got Hoodwink big yeah. time, big guy. Big yeah, Hoodwink. I'm, I'm done, done with that. I'm, 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 I'm trying to think, though, when, when one NFL insider who works for the NFL's channel says whenever he gets a chance, yeah, Mason Rudolph is going to have options. There are things out there that he's looking at. There are teams that want to sign him. Uh, who? Who are the teams? Who are the teams that give Rudolph a better opportunity than the one he would get here? I don't think that that I don't think that team exists. It, there's a team that's going to give him more money, maybe, but he's going to be locked in as a backup. Teams where uh, he could start because they don't have a guy well, in place, or is he trying to do the Mitch Trubisky plan where he goes to a team knowing that they're going to draft a quarterback in the first round, but he thinks he can open the season as the starter and. Uh, hold off the guy or eventually or play well enough that even though it's a fait accompli that he's going to lose the job, he gets on someone else's radar. Like, is that sort of a Minshew situation? You'd say I get on other teams radars by playing really well, even though there's another guy hot on my heels here. Do you feel like Gardner Minshew is going to get signed to be someone starting quarterback this offseason? I don't. I don't No, I think that Jacoby Brissett was good in Cleveland test. while Deshaun Watson was suspended and he I think Mason he got falls signed in, to be a backup behind uh, Howell in Washington. I think Mason has already seen his career fall into the bucket of stopgap starter, career backup. And think of how many guys actually get into that mode and then actually get out of it. Can you think of a guy who, like, five years in, in Mason's case, what, six years in it'll be now, had played as long as he had played, had clearly not been the man and later in their career, like, really got it. Like, really came on. And I'm talking about spent all this time in the NFL, not a Kurt Warner where in his late 20s after being basically in football's outer limits, he explodes onto the scene. Rich Gannon's the one that people always use. Geno Smith. Okay, Geno's, an, Geno's another good one. Tannehill was always a starter. He just exploded in 2019 and 2020 in a new Yeah, office. he was a first-round pick, and he right. had decent years in Miami Right, he had never been given up on. So there are my point is there are pretty precious few examples of guys who get into a, a certain mode where the league looks at them a certain way and feels like it has enough of a handle on what they can and can't do and then not only get a chance to prove all that wrong but seize on it. And honestly, Smith is probably the single best example in the last 10 years of it. He was thought of as one thing. I know I thought he was an NFL career backup, almost a joke. Mm-hmm. And then he got his chance and, and took it. That just does not happen. More to the point here, for the purposes of, of your question, like where are these teams? 
I don't think teams want to let that be plan A going into a season. I think the Steelers value Rudolph more than any other team in football. The owner does. Yeah, well. Because I do think there's a distinction to draw there. Because not just if, the owner, but I think the guys in that locker room too. I don't, if the head coach valued him way more, like in line with the owner, I think you would actually get the closest thing to a true 50-50 competition you could. I don't think the head coach values him still the way the owner does and the way the teammates do maybe. I still think the head coach uh, wants somebody that can move around. And it's just like would be, and not not even wrongly, be waiting for the other shoe to drop with him. I think most of us are. I Look, I, don't, I think Kenny's a, a pretty good athlete. I don't think he's a great athlete. He's not like Justin Fields. Um, when Mike Tomlin is uh, fetishizing or fixating over mobile quarterbacks, I don't think he's going to put Kenny Pickett in that class of player. But he's definitely I mean, putting he's, Mason a class below Kenny. Well, I agree with point. I agree with that. But I don't think Kenny Pickett Kenny Pickett wasn't drafted twentieth overall by the Steelers because he epitomizes or symbolizes like the type of new age mobile quarterback that Mike Tomlin is obsessed with. That's not Kenny. He had a fake slide in a in a conference championship game. Congratulations on all his success. We could probably name at least 10 better quarterbacks in the league with their legs than him. Than Kenny? He's, yeah, he's a league average running quarterback. Maybe maybe not even I was trying, I was trying to figure out if 20 I 20 guys better. I was trying to legs. figure out if I could name 10 guys in the AFC better. By the way, uh, fake John and Robinson loves – he's a, he's a loyal listener, Pony. He also loves the business of football, uh, and he has connected Rudolph and Garofolo dots. Go ahead. Rudolph's agent, guy named Timothy Younger. Yep. Reps David David Carr and Derek Carr. And where does David Carr? Well, David sit? Carr works for the NFL Network with with Mike Garofolo. There you go. Thank you, Fake John. <laughs> so they got an in for Mason Rudolph. That well, like, no, I mean I bring that up only half jokingly and not really flippantly. Like people want to know why does Mike Garofolo, while Schefter and Rap Sheet and all these other guys don't have it, why is Mike Garofolo saying no, no, no? I think there will be a market that presents itself. I I think we owe it to people to try to give them as much background as we're capable of gleaning. And I do think that's a relevant piece of information. He does have the best chance to start here. Because Kenny is vulnerable, despite everything the Steelers have said, and it's probably because the guys in that locker room would be hard to ignore if they started slowly, and because Tomlin has, I think at this point, very little patience, but I guess I would say it only takes one. If you're one of these, like, died in the wool, you love Pickett, you know, I had to, I had to correct myself, and I had to... Was that like the leaving Scientology stuff that you would get with (laughs) Leah Remini? Well, I had to, like... I had to be honest with myself. Like, yeah, you were all in on this guy. You loved him. You thought he was going to be great, but don't just continue to say it because that was your opinion yeah. in the summer. Like, trust your eyes. You've watched the games. Like, I've changed my opinion on Pickett. But if you haven't, if you're still someone who is convinced that he's, the, that he's their answer, that he's going to be a great quarterback, I don't think you can love the Mason Rudolph news of him coming back here if that's how it happens. If you're if you're a Kenny Pickett fan, if Kenny Pickett's your guy, you want someone who's like a veteran sage quarterback who's someone to listen to on the sidelines and in the meeting room. You don't want a guy who kept the job when Pickett was healthy for a playoff game last year. Yeah, you I mean, want a you want a mentor not competition. Yeah, I mean the obvious like worst case scenario for Kenny 
and for the Kenny fans as if they were to make the Justin Fields trade or something like that because that would pretty much spell the end of Pickett's career here as long as they picked up the fifth-year option, which I think they would. What's less threatening to Pickett, Rudolph or Tannehill, if Tannehill physically has something left because there's an Arthur Smith connection of, hey, we, we made beautiful music here for two years in a row? I, I still think Rudolph would be a bigger challenge, would be a bigger problem. Because you already because if you're Kenny, you already saw your head coach stay with him yep. last year. And Tannehill, no matter what they would say, is an unknown to them if he were to come on. Tannehill would be here, I think, to help him get settled. He's a, the he would, they would break the glass to bring Tannehill in because I think they'd think he's too old. I don't think they would feel like it was break glass. We've tried everything else if Rudolph was here i think they'd say we know this guy got it done a little bit let's see if yeah we, let's, let's see, see if, we, if it wasn't just a small sample exactly size. let's see if it's more than just a three or four game thing and then i think honestly if say say kenny goes seven games they're two and five right and he just hasn't flashed at all it, it looks a lot more like it did last year my honest thought is they would probably give rudolph the same amount of games minimum and then if neither guy over a, a, a significant stretch of time, basically almost a half season shows anything, then they're back to square one next year. It's fully back to the drawing board. I don't I don't think either guy then would have a future here. And then they'd probably draft a quarterback even in another, though... In another very weak quarterback class, at least on paper. In or see what the quarterback free agent and trade market is yeah. after this season. I, I do think it's... There's a chance that, like, by... I don't know, Thanksgiving, not even, no, Halloween. We already have a pretty defined sense of how they feel about Pickett one way or another. I feel right now like the odds of Pickett being their week one starter this year are better than 90%. What are the odds he's their starting quarterback week one of 2025? Under, oh boy, I got to go well under 25%. So he's on the roster. They don't pick up the fifth-year option, and he's like a lame duck former. Yeah. Would they let him do the Zach Wilson thing where the team goes, hey, go look for a trade if you want. Probably. Go try to find one. Probably, and I think he'd find even less interest than Wilson because there's not even something on his, his resume of you were the second pick in the draft. People saw you make these insane bazooka throws at your pro day. I think he's going to end up as a backup in Kansas City. Chad Henney, two. Zach Wilson. Oh, Zach Wilson. Yeah. Why? I know why you're saying that, though, I think. Because they'd look at the basic physical tools for the position. He can move around and scamper, and they'd say, we bring you into Andy Reid's system. Suddenly, you look a lot better. You can make every single throw. Mm -hmm. You're like a a poor man's version of Mahomes. And I think that would rehabilitate him enough where some stupid team would then sign him to be a starter, and he probably won't work there. Do you know how pissed off I would be? If the Chiefs like went to a Super Bowl because Mahomes turns an ankle in a playoff in a divisional round game, and here comes Zach Wilson, could you imagine off the bench if, throwing for three hundred yards? Because Gabbert's a free agent. If Wilson went to Kansas City, Mahomes got hurt, missed like three games. Wilson balled. Steelers are like, all right, he's our next guy. They sign him. He comes here and he just absolutely stinks up the joint. I mean, again. you're you're describing a scenario that I think is extremely plausible. Extremely plausible. <laughs> The Kansas City thing has me, like, very uneasy just thinking about that. Well, I think that's what's best for Wilson. What What do you think? I'm trying to think, like, in a perfect world, if Pickett's going to be an understudy where a situation like that would benefit him in the long run. Like San Fran. San Fran, exactly. That's the easy one. Or McVay. I think in a McVay system, Kenny would probably do fine. 
because I think I think both of those are situations where the court the the coach can probably have it for him where your first options should almost always be at least somewhat open and your second option should like they they can come up with basically two read off well I'll go back to Zach Wilson I bet if he got traded to San Francisco there'd be a point in the season where Purdy would have a bad game and, people and somebody would go on TV and say that Zach Wilson should be their starting the quarterback. Because no one can give up on physical attributes. Yep. You just can't give up. Oh, I saw him that one time roll to his left and throw the ball 65 yards in the air. Which Kenny, God bless him, he really doesn't have. No. Physical attributes. No, he's never had. I'd that. love to ask somebody like Ryan Wilson or one of our draft guys, in the last 20 years of first-round quarterbacks, who are the guys that, from a trait or attribute standpoint, have less physical gifts than Pickett? Because I can think of one. I can think of maybe one off the top of my head, and that's Mac Jones. Definitely Mac Jones. Um, this is probably not fair because I just have z- very little recollection of what this guy was like when he was in college. Um, Kyle Bowler is a name that occurred to me. Basically the same list. He had a good arm, though, Chris. That's So that's why I bring that up and say, like, probably not a fair comp because I, I want to say there was a pretty good reason he went as high as he did, which was 19th, one, well, one pick ahead of where Kenny would have uh, ended up going in his mm-hmm. draft. I remember it being a situation where he had a pretty good arm. The only, the only one that jumps out is Mac Jones. Um, you know what? Yeah. Uh, does Tua have a better arm? He's a more accurate arm for sure. I don't think Tua's any great runner, do you? No. And well, Tua, he's he's not. And he's, Tua's detractors would tell you, like, the arm is the reason why he can't throw Tyreek Hill in stride. I think he's hyper accurate with the ball, though, which is arm talent. Like, yep. And the arm talent is so much greater in that sense than Kenny. If he's protected, the ball will be where it's supposed to be on, like, any sort of intermediate route. I mean, before Tua be hurt his hip in college, he was looked at as a better prospect than Joe Burrow and like Herbert. True, like a true dual-threat guy. Yeah. Man, you've got my you've got the old uh, the wheels and the old brain spinning here, man. I, uh, think, I think Mac Jones is probably the only one. He's got his beer belly as, you know, whatever, <laughs> and everyone just says, oh, that guy, he'll win. Paul Skeen's going to join us in just a minute or two. Today is Thursday. We have Total Request Thursday where you pick the topic at 530 your options right now, Paul Skeens, Bill Hillgrove, college playoff expansion, cheating spouses. Say that again? Paul Skeens, yeah. Bill Hillgrove, yeah. college playoff expansion, uh-huh. cheating spouses. Uh, have you put the poll question out here? I have. How many? I don't even want to know who's winning because I already know the answer. How much is cheating spouses winning by? It's not. Only 29% for cheating spouses. Paul Skeen's winning 44 and a half. Really? Yep. They want real Paul Skeen's talk. Would this be Would this be the first time in the history of TRT that an actual topic wins? I mean, when you had pornography addiction in there, it turned out to be a very serious subject. Cocaine won last week, too, in blowout fashion. Blow? Yes. Yeah. This will be the realest one to win, though. I think right now, by the way, we need to root for whatever rally is happening in Pirates Orioles to immediately be extinguished. There we go. All right. Well, there you go. Perfect segue, Malsy. <laughs> Fan Hotlines presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. We're very pleased to welcome back to the show uh, off of his major league spring training debut, Pirates number one overall pick, Paul Skeens. 
Paul Andrew Filipponi and Chris Muller back in Pittsburgh. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Not bad, Paul. We uh, listened to you because we didn't. It wasn't on TV here today, so we had to trust Greg Brown and John Wayner to describe what was going on. Uh, give us a, a take on your first outing in a major league game. What was it like? Yeah, it was a blast. Um, quick inning for sure, but um, yeah, it felt good. Went out there and kind of did what I wanted to do, so I'm happy with it. Yeah, you really eased in hitting 102 on the gun. Uh, just really, really tried to just dip your toe in the water there, huh? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, are the, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever asked anybody this. I mean, obviously you picked a little bit last year in the minors. Are there any jitters coming in for a spring training game? Because always we hear from guys who are veterans or even, even pretty young players. They're usually just working on stuff. Are there actual jitters uh, today there for you before you go out there and get on the mound? Yeah, I think... Um... I think that's just how it goes with any game. Uh, definitely going out there and, and just working on stuff. But when you see a hitter in the in the in the box that's wearing another uniform, there's always some sort of, um, you know, nerves or adrenaline or whatever um, that 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 at least I feel. So, um, but it, it's a good feeling. I think the moment it goes away, there's there's a problem. Uh, was there anything specifically that you were working on today that you wanted to, you know, this is my checklist. This is what I want to, in however many pitches I get and in innings I get, this is what I want to do out there today. Any specific stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, it's tough going out there uh, knowing that you're throwing one inning. So really just wanted to feel good and uh, attack the strike zone. Um, you know, get a hit on guys and, and execute pitches. So I was happy with that. Yeah, what was the thing? So that was the thing you liked the most, you'd say, about the inning, Paul? Yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, it's it's tough going out there knowing you're throwing one inning, but, uh, you know, tough when you do it in nine pitches or whatever, too, that, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of room to work. So on the broadcast, they seem surprised that your first pitch was off speed and you didn't want to start Jackson Holiday also in his first big league spring training game with kind of a, here's 102. Give us the backstory on wanting to start him off with a little bit of the soft stuff there, Paul. Yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, you know, something that we identified that, uh, you know, could be a, a good plan of attack and went out there and, you know, set the tone with it. So, um, yeah, I was, I was happy with it. And you've thrown to Henry Davis. How often had you guys just worked as a as a battery before this game, you know, just on the side? How familiar, how comfortable were, were you uh, with him, Paul? Yeah, super comfortable. Uh, he's caught most of my bullpens and uh, one of one of the two lives. Um, but I'm super comfortable throwing to him. Uh, we've had a lot of conversations about um, attacking hitters and and you know where I want my target and that kind of thing. Um, and it, it was great to throw to him. He, he's a great receiver, great game caller. So um, yeah, all good. Who all good who of the two of you him. would win in a contest about just being more serious in all business when it comes to baseball? <laughs> oh man. I don't know. I'd have to say him, um, but that's a tough one. Uh, we're talking to Paul Skeens after his uh, Major League Spring training debut. It was a scoreless inning, one, two, three. Took care of business. Uh, Paul, there was some speculation on the broadcast about what's next for you, if this will be the only Major League start you make in the spring. What do you know about what the next step is uh, after this one? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, just going to go and um, pitch whenever whenever that is um monday or tuesday whenever that is and, and just go execute just gotta get my body ready to do it and um wherever whenever it is just gonna go 
execute. How often do you and uh, Mitch Keller talk? Because we had him on. He signed his extension. He talked about you, talked about wanting to, to kind of be the horses at the front of that rotation. What are those conversations like that you have with Mitch uh, now that he's going to be here locked up for a while? Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about that. Um, but it's a, he's, a, he's a great guy to talk to. Um, knows a lot about the game, obviously. Knows, knows how to pitch um, and how to get big league hitters out. So um, having that kind of resource on the staff and, and someone who's willing to share as much he, as, as he is, um, it's just awesome to, awesome to talk to him about pitching. I think I've asked you this before, but it was last year, obviously, when you know you hadn't, you just hadn't had enough time to put even more work in. Uh, how much closer to just being like ready to go and, and pitch in the big leagues do you feel right now versus you know at any point last year after the Pirates drafted you? What has been the the progression like for you mentally? How you feel about your readiness for big league ball? Yeah, I mean, throughout the off season, it was it was a, a lot of you know trying to get stronger and uh, build workload and and being able to pitch for 150 160 innings however many it is this year um stuff wise i don't i don't know that that there's a whole lot that i need to um that i can or need to improve on um but uh you know the goal is just to go out there and and get hitters out wherever that is so um, i'll let the i'll let the other guys decide that do you have a magic number of innings you want to pitch this year i have no idea i haven't thought about it a whole lot um i just want to be able to you know make all my starts and um, you know, hold my stuff throughout the the entire year, however many innings that is. Paul, you you, you go a hundred percent in an outing like this, or is it just trying to ease yourself back in when you're pitch, pitching to live hitters in a game for the first time? Yeah, um, I mean, getting fans in the stands and that kind of thing definitely helps. I, I don't know that I throw any pitches in a game at full one hundred percent. Just kind of let my body work and, and be free and easy. Um, because, you know, when you go 100%, you muscle up and, and lose command and that kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, but the the goal, you know, tough to tell when it's one inning, but the goal is to hold my stuff and command and velo and all that uh, throughout the course of an outing, whether it's six or seven in, or one inning. Um, the, that's that's my primary goal. If Paul Skeens muscles up and says, screw control, I'm just out here messing around with the guys, and you go 100% on a, on a heater on a four-seamer, what is Paul Skeens' best guess at what that radar gun's going to read? I have no idea. Probably it, it probably wouldn't be as as impressive as some people might think, but uh, I don't know, maybe a half mile an hour harder. But, um, yeah, I have no idea. Has Mitch done anything nice for you guys since the $77 million <laughs> contract was signed, Paul? Did you take the pitchers out for a nice dinner or anything like that? Uh, no, not that I know of, not yet. <laughs> Oh, man. You might want to expect Domino's because that's what he told us his big purchase was. He went out, he got Domino's for himself and his wife, had yeah. a co- threw a cookie on top. They they were doing it up big, man. Good for him. Yeah, that's a good that's a good place to, to go after that kind of thing. Paul, thanks for uh, hopping on with us, man. We hope to do it again uh, when you start making starts here in Pittsburgh later in the year. Okay, buddy? Thanks, Paul. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. There you go. Paul Skeens. I think he wanted to pitch more than one inning. Did you get that sense? Uh, distinct sense. I also think he, now this is just my guess. He won't admit to it because like I said, he and Davis, it's like, who's more all business stone face. Like, let's just go play ball. I guarantee, I feel like it's gotta be true that he has gone out and just seen how hard he can throw one with no command. I bet you he hits one Oh five. Dude, if he can command one Oh two. Yeah. I'd like to see, like, if they bet 
on it, who would throw harder, him or Chapman? At this point, I'd think him, right? I mean, Chapman's not young. He's got one of those rubber band arms, though, where I think he just... Who was the original uh, rubber band man again? He rolls out of bed and he's throwing 101. Must be nice. Warming up. Yep. Must be real nice. Did you ever try to top out on one of those pitching machines, like even one at a carnival? It's a complicated thing because I used to try to throw as hard as I, I think could. They, I think they used to. I think they would try to make you look bad and have it like, like lower than lower. It. Yeah. I think I was trying to throw my arm off to the point where my shoulder would tingle and it'd be like, oh yeah, sixty-eight uh, miles an hour, good job. Texas on the Edgar Slatter and Associates fan text line. We're two minutes away from Pompiani jumping on with us. Going to give his take on Skeens and also Bill Hillgrove retiring from the Steelers broadcast booth. And Bill will join us in the four o'clock hour. But first, a Charlie headline. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. Fun to talk to Paul Skeens from one future legend in Pittsburgh sports to one current one, Bob Pompiani. Joining us right now. Yeah, Bob, did you just beep at somebody? What's that? Did you just beep at somebody? Yes. Actually, no. Someone just beeped at me and I beeped back. It was was a friendly beep. It was like, hello, because I know the car and they helloed back. Oh, we thought you might have been getting into a traffic situation right on the air. Is this somebody I know? Do you want to beep for me? I'll beep for you, Pony, sure. If you beeped and they knew it was a beep for Pony, would they suddenly rescind their beep? (laughs) (laughs) If they follow the last bet he made, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yes. Yes. Um, All right, Bob. Paul Skeens made his Pirate Spring training debut. What's your take on what the Pirates should do with him? Well, my take would be different. You know, it just depends on how he goes. But I, I mean, I'd be tempted to utilize him earlier than later. I know that you won't see him most likely until June, and I understand all the stuff that goes with that. But if he if he proves that he can be, you know, a really good solid pitcher here early on, I would be on a fast track with him. So whatever that translates into, it's hard to just, you know one inning. What do you do in one inning uh, other than do your job? And he did today, just like when Priester did yesterday. Well, it's a different regime, uh, Bob, but I'm looking at Garrett Cole, who number one overall pick in 2011, then a full year not pitching in the majors in 2012, and then 117 innings uh, in his first season with the Pirates, and they brought him up in in June. I remember being at that first game. Mm-hmm. Um, are you with Pony? Now, I pose this hypothetical to Pony. Say they do have a pretty strict innings limit on him because they just they want to be careful this first year in the big leagues, higher stress innings, whatever. Uh, if they reach that number and they're not close to the end of the year yet, what would you do? Would you roll the dice and keep it going or shut him down and have a hard cap on that? I think it all depends on how he's doing and how he feels. You know, I, I understand the need to, to, to watch young players, especially coming out of college where, you know, you, the workload will increase and should increase, especially for someone of his pedigree. So um, I, I would I would understand that, I'm not going to push him if he feel you know, and I think you'd be able to tell Chris with the way he's pitching too. So it depends on how he. Everybody's built differently. Everybody could take on more uh, things than other people. You never know. 
but I'll, I'll play it by ear and watch how he's going and, and, and uh, you know, honest conversation back and forth. Bob Papiani, our guest. Bob, uh, Bill Hillgrove, 30 years as Steelers radio play-by-play guy. He's going to retire from that post. He'll continue to call pit football and pit basketball on our airwaves. Uh, you've known Bill for a long time. I know you've respected him and looked up to him for a while. Your thoughts on the career he carved out doing Steelers play-by-play work? Well, first of all, there's a friendship there, Pauline, that goes back a lot of years. We used to do a lot of banquets together. Uh, back in the days when they were, they were fun, a lot of things we had fun doing, raising money for charities. But he's been you know, very committed to uh, his craft. And the fact that he's done it for 51 years at Pitt is remarkable. I mean, he's like Vin Scully. In so many ways, he just keeps on going. And more than anything, I admire his willingness to talk to people like me when I was younger, getting into this. And I, you know, I want to pay that forward to many to other people too, because it's just you get a lot of information. You want people who are approachable. He always was approachable. Uh, some of the most iconic calls over the last thirty years in Steelers history. But more than anything else, is passion. You know, he's in his eighties and he still has the passion to do this. Most people lose passion uh, along the way. Uh, he managed to keep it up at a level that I certainly respect. So uh, I wish him all the best. He's a, he's a good good dude and uh, somebody I will always consider a friend and a longtime friend. Uh, your passion level still up there, Bob? We don't have, we don't have Bob Poppy any passion waning, do we? I have no. My passion's always good. It's always good. I I mean, you you talk to my wife, see what she says about that. <laughs> wow. Well, wow, I mean that okay. in a respectful way. I mean, you know, you have passionate. You got to be passionate about everything in your life. Life's too short here, fellas. I got to keep telling you that. You never know. Pony, I got crushed. I think I told you. I got crushed. This is how passionate Bob is about work. I got crushed and called a JV sports guy because I went to bed after one period of that Vancouver game. Yeah. And you know what Pomp was up there doing? He was tweeting. Tweeting right through it. But that's because Bob's on a schedule where he doesn't go to bed until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning every When night. do you wake up now if you go to bed that late, Bob? It depends on the day, but most likely about nine. But, you know, a couple oh. of pit stops throughout the course of the night, so it's never straight through sleep. But um, I was, you know, there's always something to watch. I was really enamored with what I saw from Caitlin Clark last night. I was really, you know, um, Dalton connects another guy. Chris, we were talking about other yeah, people last night. That's a guy who, he was terrific against a really good Auburn team last night, making all sorts of shots, especially late in the game. I think he scored like 25 of his 39 in the last 10 minutes or so. So, uh, it, was, it was on there with like a LeBron-level comeback. Now, are we going to be talking about guys like this tonight on the sports call, or is it me and Richie tonight? You and Richie tonight. Oh, then we're going to have so, Bucko Fever on the brain, I can already tell you. Oh, definitely. He's going to go right he's to gonna, that. Well. He's going to, man, get the thermometer. He's got Bucko Fever, and there is no penicillin to be found. <laughs> hey, I, I'm hopeful the Pirates can do something. I, as I told you yesterday, Chris, I think this division is – is fairly fairly open. I don't see teams, and St. Louis will probably surprise me, or not surprise me, just return to what they were. But I think there are not that many great teams in that division. So I think if they can somehow just manage to hang loose, although I wasn't enthralled totally with their offseason. So we'll see what that brings. Bob, Omar Khan is, uh, is talking uh, at the moment at the Combine, and a lot of subjects being covered, one of which uh, I think he's being asked about is the fifth-year option on Najee Harris. What would you do if you were the Steelers with that? I think it's $6.7 million for him. Yeah, by NFL standards, with a cap going up as much, uh, it's a no-brainer. I'd do it. I don't know if I'd do anything beyond that for now. I'd see how it goes. 
Um, yeah, but 6.7 million in this day and age is not that much. I think for a running back who has certainly a role, three straight 1,000 yard years, and he also has a good one to punch. That's one of their strengths on offense. So I wouldn't mess with that. Bob Pompiani, channel two, KDK TV, nightly sports call, 1035 simulcast on the fan here tonight. And then the showdown will be after the local news Sunday night. We'll be a part of that too. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. We'll talk next week. You have a good day. I'll be for you, pony. Thank you. All right. See at the golf course percentage chance on his way or on his way home. Well, actually, no, wait, it's cold as hell. What am I talking about? He's not there. He might've been at the range though. How about a simulator? Oh yeah. That's a good point. But Bob likes to get out there with the people. He does. He likes to get out there in the elements uh, and hit, hit the ball for real. All right. Jeremy Fowler is scheduled to join us next. Things got flipped on him at the combine. We'll see what he's hearing and seeing when it comes to the quarterbacks. And we'll also get into what Omar Khan is talking about the Steelers GM on the biggest Steelers, uh, News items. Follow us on Twitter, brought to you by South Hills Kia, right now at Charlie Headline. All right, Omar Khan talking to Steelers reporters right now in Indianapolis, and that's where we find our next guest. He is one of the biggest names in football reporting, ESPN grooming him to be the next Adam Schefter. He is a star, and he started with ESPN right here in Pittsburgh covering the Steelers. I'm talking about Jeremy Fowler. Jeremy, how are you, buddy? Tony, I'm good, man. You're always good for the ego, man. You always, you always build me up, more so than necessary. I, I appreciate it. Uh, let's go through some of these uh, quarterback uh, rumors and reports are out, that are out there. What do you think is going to happen with Justin Fields? So uh, he's the ball that has to drop. He's the domino that everybody's really sort of waiting on right now. I know there's some Atlanta buzz out there. A lot of people I talk to aren't quite buying that just because the, you know, the system there is kind of the Rams passing game system might not be the greatest fit for Fields. Not that he can't do it. I just, there's some skepticism as to whether Atlanta would make that move, you know, versus maybe trying to go for a Kirk Cousins or Baker Mayfield or something like that. So um, I, I believe Fields will have a market. You know, a lot of teams I talked to think it'll be a day two pick somewhere in there. But the problem is, is a holdup. And uh, the holdup is that teams know that the Bears have to move on from them if they're going to make the pick at number one. So they're waiting them out. Um, and that sort of hurts their leverage potentially a little bit. So that's sort of the song they have going on right now. Do you think the Steelers are involved in that process? I have not heard that. Um, it's been pretty quiet here in Indy on the Steelers front, to be honest. Not a lot of buzz. I haven't heard their, their team name involved in a lot of free agents yet. I'm sure they will be. They, they're just sort of lurking right now. Um, some teams approach this differently when they meet with agents and talk about players and, and share notes and all that. Some are... You know, some might sort of cast a fish out there to see if somebody will bite. Others will play really close to the vest, and, and it seems like the Steelers are playing it close right now. Jeremy, when Russell Wilson gets cut loose, what kind of market do you think exists for him? Do you think the Steelers might be in on that particular parade? Which, which guy was it again? Russell Wilson. Yeah. Uh, potentially. Um, I think potentially, but the – tricky part there is well he has to be cut right which will probably happen in the next week or two that's sort of what teams feel um and then you would have to just completely say we're done with kenny pickett i think at that point if you're signing a guy who clearly wants to start believes he's still a starter scouts i talked to believe he can still be a starter in this league so i'm not so sure the steelers are there that's the thing you know it's like do you give pickett one more chance or not is one bad year enough to dump him or do you need two bad years to make that decision definitively. You know, that, that's sort of an open-ended question that only they can answer right now. But, uh, you know, I've talked to enough people here who think that 
running it back with Pickett and Mason Rudolph wouldn't be the worst thing either. Jeremy, with uh, with Wilson, is he going to sign just a one-year deal for the league minimum? Is that the expectation? Well, that is a option for him that he certainly can do, and he will get all his guaranteed money from Denver. That's the way his contract set up, and that's why he did a good contract. And a lot of teams I talk to believe that that's what Russell Wilson will ultimately do. This is also somebody who, you know, like any star quarterback, has an ego and probably wants sort of a commitment of some sort. Maybe he wants a two-year deal from a new team, you know. But, like, the, the teams that would want to sign him, the, the attractive part of wanting to sign him is that million dollars you can get for him. You can build around him. I, I do think Russell might be intrigued by the fact that you can uh, he can sign for so cheaply somewhere if that team commits to spending money on other players for him. Jeremy, what are the chances uh, that Ryan Tannehill – I know you said that there are people in Indy who think running it back with Pickett and Rudolph wouldn't be a bad idea for the Steelers if they don't do that. What are the chances that Ryan Tannehill comes back into the fold with Arthur Smith? Well, certainly that's an option, but it would have to be as like a backup, you know, or a mm-hmm. stopgap at most. I think that's where he's at at this stage. You know, I think players like Jacoby Brissett could be an option there too, although he's he's really played pretty well in his chances, you know. He could be able to, to jump around and sometimes. Yeah, sorry, one second. I'll be around all day. Oh, here this we is, go. This is mover and shaker territory uh, right now. This is very much Uh-oh. mover. We're, we're dealing with a right, very famous man, Pony. You're all right, Jeremy. No, no, no. It's d- like, you know, chaos and team people walking around. No, that's all right, so, though, Pony. Uh, you say Pony was too kind. I think he was very accurate. People you're a man, want to pick your brain, you're Jeremy. You're a man in you demand. you got a lot of information that people are just dying yeah, to man. hear. Yeah. Um, well, that was, yeah, that was, yeah, there's a GM walking by, so it's like i got to at least talk to him. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, but I'm, I'm locked in. Do you, think that, do you think that Mason Rudolph has a big market? Do you think that there's going to be suitors for him? I wouldn't say big market because there are only so many dominoes, you know, uh, only so many seats available for starting jobs, you know, where it's Cousins, it's Mayfield. We'll see where Fields lands. We'll see how teams really feel about Russell. But I, I put Rudolph somewhere around there, you know, around maybe that fourth or fifth slot, if I had to guess right now. Uh, but, he, you know, look, he played well. He let it loose. Uh, he's always been a hard worker. You know, teams have – Still have good draft grades on them from five years ago, however long it was. And you know, it's Pitt, but it's one of those things where Pittsburgh is still his best leverage, so to speak. Kind of like with Baker Mayfield and Tampa Bay, you know, like it, it's understood that that's the best spot for you. Uh, Jeremy, last one, then we'll let you go talk to that very important GM. Uh, do that? you think I said one more, and then we'll let you talk to that very important GM who wanted your I'm attention? Sorry, man. <laughs> All good. Uh, it's do you? Do you expect that we'll see or hear Deontay Johnson's name come up in trade rumors going into the last year of his contract? Not sure the Steelers have much of an appetite to extend him and give him another deal, Jeremy. Yeah, I cannot confirm that, but you mentioned that name. That name at least gets my attention. Like, I think that would be on the radar a little bit, you know, like it's, it's, I haven't heard that as like being definitive as being shopped for sure, to be clear. But um, with the cap hits, um, you know, I, I think it's something that would come up in conversations with teams that might have some interest. This is still a guy who can get open, you know, and the money's not outrageous. So that, that wouldn't shock me. All right. Jeremy Fowler, who is very much in demand in Indianapolis, and we know why, does a great job for ESPN. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. We appreciate it, brother. Hey. Thanks. Thanks for the patience, guys. I appreciate you having me. You bet. Well, that's a higher opinion of Rudolph that I expected to hear. He thinks he's fourth or fifth on the list of free agent quarterbacks.
but also doesn't think there's going to be a terrific market for him because there's only so many slots to fill that teams will fill either for starters early in the draft or even for potential guys they think could come in right away as rookie backups in the later rounds. Well, if you go through it, right, so potential teams that need starting quarterbacks or someone to maybe start week one if they draft a rookie, Denver. One. Raiders. uh, Vegas, two. Um, I don't think you can go anywhere in the AFC South because I think you know Richardson, Richardson will be back, will be and, back. and they seem committed to Levis right now in Tennessee. Uh-huh. Um, New England, I think yep. if Jaden Daniels gets picked, though, they're probably going to, don't you think, roll with him right off the jump? You'd think, but I still think they'll be in the okay, market put, for a veteran Conservatively put them in that, that category. Washington. Yep. yep. And the Giants are going to have to run it back with Danny Dimes. He's got like a $69 million dead cap number. Chicago. For sure. Minnesota's up in the air, but they don't have a quarterback right now because feel, Cousins it, is a free agent. Feels like Cousins ends up back there, but okay. Atlanta, uh huh. Tampa Bay. Although, do you put okay? So you're putting them in that bucket, even though I still feel like Mayfield. Well, they're likely. not gonna they're not gonna franchise tag Mayfield. I still feel like that's likely. So they're that trying he gets to sign him before he gets a free agency. So and then no Arizona's got Murray. Yep. You know what though? I'll say I'm not gonna say Seattle because they still have Geno Smith there, but. I'll tell you what. But they like Locke, so I don't think that they'd go out and get another quarterback. He came off the bench. In yeah, true. If we're talking strictly just a backup or a stock gap, you're right. You're right. So that's eight teams. Am I? Are we forgetting the Niners are losing Darnold potentially? Yeah, but I'm talking about teams that might need someone to, to start actually week start one. week one. Okay. Yep. So eight. Yeah. Denver, Vegas, New England, Washington, Chicago, Minnesota, now let's Atlanta, hear it. Tampa. Let's... And you can say with Washington, Chicago, and New England – Probably that gonna... their week one starter is probably going to be the rookie that Correct. they draft. Tampa will probably bring back Mayfield. That's four out of them gone. So teams that really are up in the air are Denver, Vegas, Minnesota, Atlanta. Four teams. Would, the, would any of those four teams want Mason Rudolph? Well, no. Here, you want to continue to play this game? For argument's sake, I know Jeremy said he's hearing that Atlanta might not be a fit, but they're still the overwhelming betting favorite to have Justin Fields right now. Uh, if you look at Minnesota, don't you still have to wonder if they and Kirk Cousins just hop right back in together? I still think that's very plausible that they try to do a deal. Mm -hmm. And then that pairs you all the way down to two. And then is Mason Rudolph one of the two most attractive candidates for the kind of job you're describing? He's not. He isn't. And if Atlanta's really not that interested in Fields, I don't know where he ends up, Chris. Well, that was the other thing that Jeremy because said. Because he's not attention. going to Vegas because of the off- – I should have asked the him Getsy, that. The because Getsy of the part. offensive coordinator there. Yeah, I, he said there would be a market, like, which only leads me to, to surmise then that one of the teams we're automatically assuming wants a rookie quarterback actually wants Justin Fields, but I don't really see that. Washington or New England going to trade out of one of those picks because I, they want Justin Fields? I saw I'm somebody, sorry, I don't see that happening. I saw somebody surmise that New England might do it. That would be a Belichick move back in the day. Get a ton of picks and then roll the dice on a talented quarterback, try to make it work and load up with draft picks. But he's Bill ain't now. in charge no more. Nope. All right. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevy. We'll let Channel 2 take care of that. Omar Khan talking to Mark Cabali and others. At the Combine, we're either going to get that audio and play that for you when we come back, or we're going to react to what he said. Plus, Bill Hillgrove, on the day he retires from Steelers games at 4.15. We're here until 6. We're live at beautiful Studio B, Bowser in Monroeville. It's the PM team.